tonight, if this is your first time here, you may be wondering what we're we going through, or you may have saw a shirt on the mannequin that is our buddy named Manny. He looks real big. He's bigger than me. Um, we're going through the redemption tour, and man, we started this at our summer kickoff, and we've been walking through Exodus. We've been walking through the life of Moses, and Daniel kicked us off with Exodus 3, and we talked about I am who I am. We talked about the power of God's name, and then we went into calling, and we went into excuses in Exodus chapter 4, where we saw Moses give all the excuses in the book of God. I can't do this because, or God, I, can, I can't do that because. And God just looked at him plainly and told him, well, I can do this because. Because he is God, he is the I am who I am. He is Yahweh. And then we went into the Passover of Exodus 12. And then we had Exodus 14 at the Red Sea where the Israelites finally were free from slavery. They were finally free from their adversaries, the Egyptians, as God split open the Red Sea and he brought the Red Sea back over um, the Israelites' foes. And tonight, We'll be picking up in Exodus chapter 32, as Goose said. Tonight we'll be in Exodus chapter 32. And if you're taking notes tonight, man, the title of our message tonight is Greater Than Gold. The title of our message tonight is Greater Than Gold. And before we read, we'll start in verse 1 tonight, and we'll move fast, I promise. We're going to work through the whole passage. I know it's 35 verses. Um, But before we hop into that, I want to talk about as man's goo's addressed with distractions and things like that, We're, we live in such a distracted generation. I know as college students, we have so many distractions. And for me, man, growing up, I'm going to be honest, I'm a redhead, I'm pale, I got to wear a lot of sunscreen, I'm SPF 100. I don't know what SPF you are, but I'm team 100. Because, Amen, I got somebody with me, I love it. I'm SPF 100 because, man, I get sunburned really easy. I see UV 11 right now, UV 12. I mean, I could walk out there at 6 o'clock at night, I could come back red, I promise you, it's crazy. So growing up, I didn't really like going to the beach. But I will say what revolutionized my beach experience it's sunscreen and a big old tent over my head because that sun was not laying its sun rays on my skin. But as I went to the beach, I grew up, as I grew up, I, I come to love the beach because I love the ocean. And growing up, I remember my mom used to always tell me and my siblings as we swam in the ocean, she always told us that we had to focus on the shore. Because again, as we live in a distracted generation, we live in a distracted age, if we get distracted in the ocean, the ocean is very beautiful, yet it can become very dangerous. And my mom, she told me to keep my eyes on the shore because that's where my mom was. And where I knew my mom was, that's where I knew my safety was. I knew that's where my security was. That's where I knew the one who cared about me was present. And she told me to keep my eyes on the shore because she knew how dangerous the waves could get. And y'all know, y'all been in the ocean before. If you don't fight the waves, what do the waves do? They slowly but surely, they drift you away from the shore. And and for some reason, it like drifts you diagonally across the ocean to it. You get in straight in the ocean, but then you get out. Your parents are to the left of you or to the right of you. But my mom told me to keep my eyes on the shore because she knew that is where I would be safe. Because if I focus on her, I knew the, it, the waves were crashing on me, the waves were drifting me. As long as I focused on the shore, I would stay close to her. In College of in Exodus 32, what we see is the Israelites, they drift away from their relationship with the Lord because their focus changed. It went from the Lord to their external circumstances. And I want to ask you a question tonight. What is drifting you away from your relationship with the Lord? 
What, is, what are the waves in your life? Because, man, social media comes crashing down. Your career comes crashing on you. Your finances come crashing on you. Relationships come crashing on you. And all these things drift you farther and farther away from the Lord. And you feel like you can't get out of the ocean. You feel like you can't get out of the trap that you're in because you're not focused on the Lord. And as Goose asked, man, as we really evaluate and reflect tonight, I want to ask you, what is, gift, what is taking your eyes off the Lord? What's drawing your attention away from? Because when you repent of your sins, when you believe in Jesus, man, when you ask for God to come into your life, when you turn your back on your old ways and turn your face towards him, he's right there waiting on you. And tonight we're going to walk through that in Exodus 32, and we're going to start in verse 1. But before I read God's word, I'd love to pray for us tonight. And man, we're going to read, start off in verses 1 through 10, and we're going to work through Exodus 32 and see how God is greater than gold. So let's pray, college students, and let's, let's dive into this passage. Heavenly Father, you're good, Lord, and God, I thank you for you. God, I thank you for Jesus, Lord, and I thank you for summer break, Lord. Even though it's so hot, the sun, the UV, Lord, sunburn and things like that, God, I thank you that we get to come to the view each week, Lord. We get to come to be with fellow believers each week, whether it's spring, winter, summer, fall, God. We just want to worship you. We want to lift high the name of Jesus, God. And Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that we'd be encouraged, Lord, that we would break free from idols in our life. And God, that we would truly worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, that you would sit on the throne of our heart. God, that you would call the shots in our life. God, that you would be Lord God, that you would be Adonai of our life, God. Lord, I pray you would speak to us tonight in this room, God. And as we've talked about already, Lord, I pray you'd remove distractions. Lord, the enemy has no hold in this place, God. I pray that we'd become more like you and fall more in love with you every single day. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So look with me at Exodus 32, college students, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10. And God's word says this right here. When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come make gods for us who will go before us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron replied to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold rings from them and fashioned it with an engraving tool and made it into an image of a calf. Then they said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it and made an announcement. There will be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. Early the next morning, they arose, offered burnt offerings, and presented fellowship offerings. The people sat down and eat, and to eat and drink and got up to party. The Lord spoke to Moses, go down at once, for your people you brought up from the land of Egypt have cor acted corruptedly. They have quickly turned from the way I have commanded them. They have made for themselves an image of a calf. They have bound out to it, sacrificed to it, and said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Verse 9, the Lord also said to Moses, I have seen this people, and they are indeed a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. College students, point number one for us tonight is we see Israel's impatience. We see the impatience of Israel. Number one, Israel's impatience. And man, quick, quickly, we see how the people respond to the delay of Moses coming down from the mountains. Moses was on the mountain receiving instructions from the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. 
And what's crazy about when we pick up here, you know, we went from Exodus 14 and now we're in Exodus 32. So obviously a lot has happened in between those chapters. What's crazy is the Israelites were told what was going to happen. The Israelites, they literally saw, they saw the glory of God come over Mount Sinai. That's where Moses is at the top of the mountain with God getting the commandments. They saw his glory come down on the mountain and they heard God's voice speak and tell Moses to come to the top of the mountain. And look with me in Exodus 24, verses 14 and 18. It'll be on the screen. This is what God's word said. He told the elders, wait here for us until we return to you. Aaron and Ur are here with you. Whoever has a dispute should go to them. When Moses went up the mountain, the cloud covered it. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses from the cloud. The appearance of the Lord's glory to the Israelites was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Moses entered the cloud as he went up the mountain, and he remained on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Imagine this. Bring the Bible to life. Imagine seeing God's glory consume a mountain. And yet when, you, when they get a little impatience, when they, they, they're concerned where Moses is, they turn immediately to a false god and building a gold calf. Because apparently 40 days was too long for the Israelites. As soon as they got impatient, they started to show contempt towards Moses, the one God used to deliver them from their slavery. In college students, how we handle God's delays is a good measure of our, as our spiritual maturity. Let me say that again. How we handle God's delays is a good measure of our spiritual maturity. How do you respond in the seasons of waiting? When God's not giving you the immediate answer that, and a lot of times we're looking for another answer that doesn't line up with God's answer. What do you do when you're waiting to hear from the Lord? How do you respond when God doesn't do things on your timing? And when waiting for the Lord gets hard, do you try to make things happen your way or do you allow God to operate on his timing? Because college students, I can tell you, his timing is a lot better than our timing. His ways are better than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But and what's crazy, this is the thing, college students, we can trust God with our eternity. When we pray to receive Christ, we are saying, when we get baptized, we're going public with our faith. We are saying, I have given my life to Jesus. I have entrusted my eternity to Jesus. But we can't trust our future's decisions to him. Gets a little hard to trust them when, man, what career path am I supposed to take? How, what, what are my finances going to look like? What are my relationships going to look like? It gets a little hard. We get a little impatient because he doesn't respond on our time. But we trust him with our eternity. College students, if you can trust the God of creation with your eternity, you can trust the, the God of creation with everything else in your life. And it comes from this right here. This is what I wrote down in my notes. When we are unintentional with our relationship with Jesus, this will cause us to get impatient. And this happens when our focus isn't fully on the Lord. College students, it's summer break. I hope you're enjoying summer break. If you're in summer classes, I'm so sorry. I've been there. I've done that. So you have to, you have to still do your summer school and things like that. But man, if, God, if your focus isn't fully on the Lord, I'm telling you, Nothing else in your life deserves full focus and full worship like the God that loves you and sent his son to die for you. Think about it. The Israelites were more worried about where Moses was than where they were at with their relationship with Jesus. They were more concerned about the external. They were more concerned about what's going on. 
But man, there's, there's a war going on with your soul. Do you tend to your soul? Do you take care? Do you spend personal time with Jesus? And what's crazy is impatience will lead to irrational decision-making. Your impatience will lead to irrational decision-making. And we see that with the Israelites. And the decisions we make have an impact on our life. We'd all agree. I think we, would we all agree with that? Can I get an amen? Our decisions have an impact on our life. Amen, right? It can have a good impact. It can have a bad impact. And I think about a time in my life, <clears throat> think about my little sister. Her name's Demi. We're one year apart, and I remember something that happened to her. It was the night before the first day of school. You know, you get the jitters before the first day of school. She was going into second grade, and I was going into third grade, and we were getting ready for dinner. And I remember this night, and I'm going to be honest, I, when I get hungry, I rush to the table too. And I, I typically, I don't let my food cool off a lot of times either. So when you take that first bite, you kind of, you're like trying to cool it off while you're chewing it. It's really, and man, you don't get to enjoy the full flavor. My mom said you don't get to enjoy the full flavor if it's still burning hot. But that's not the thing, man. My sister, we had pizza this night. And man, she, she made this mistake. She ran to the table and she immediately started eating her pizza. But here's the thing about pizza. Especially like, man, I think about like big slices of like Chicago or New York style pizza, like how it's like fresh out of the oven. It's real flimsy. And you know how like the cheese can just slide right off the bread? Man, my sister, she picked up her piece of pizza. And she, poor thing, she missed her mouth and the cheese fell right onto her chin. And I mean, it burned the heck out of her. I mean, it, and you just hear, you know, if you have younger siblings, especially sisters, just lets out she exclaims the scream because she knew what what had happened so my mom rushes over my mom being super mom of course man she rushes over she cleans up my sister and that way she's able to enjoy dinner but we notice something my sister man as we get her cleaned up man this big old burn mark was on her chin poor thing I mean it looked like a big old scab on her chin and what's crazy is you know going into elementary school man when you when you get to the first day of school, you have to take your first day of school picture, right? And so my sister gets to her first day of second grade. Poor thing. I wish I would have brought the picture with me. She gets to her first day of second grade, and she has to take this picture with this big old burn mark on her chin. And what's crazy is it was all from the result of her impatience. Her impatience burned her. Literally, her impatience burned her. And costumes, I'll tell you this tonight. When you are impatient with, impatient with your decision-making, you will get burned in your decision-making. And what's crazy about our decision-making, like I said, it has immediate effects, but it also has long-lasting effects. Because again, my sister, the immediate effect, her chin was burned that night. But the long-lasting effect, she had to deal with the scab. She had to deal with the soreness Long after that night, and college students, the decisions that you make now, they have impact right now, but they also have impact eternally. So the question I ask you tonight is, what kind of impact are your decisions having? Are they pushing people closer to Jesus, or are they pulling people from Jesus? Are they pushing you closer to Jesus, or are they pulling you from Jesus? Because our decisions have, they make an impact. And if you're living for Jesus, your decision should extend his kingdom. Your decision should extend his name. So my question is, what kind of impact are you having in your friends' lives? What kind of impact are you having in your family's lives? What kind of impact are you having in your coworkers' lives? Because the decisions that they see you make, they also mimic. I'm telling you, the way we live for Christ is important. The way we make decisions is important. But my question is, man, is God the king of your decision-making? 
does God make, does he call the shots in your life? Does he have the final say in your life? Because when God has the final say of your life, that's when he's Lord of your life. I'll say that again. When God has the final say in your life, that's when he is Lord of your life. And you see verse two, man, Aaron told them to take off all their gold and bring it to him. And the Israelites did as Aaron asked them. And what's crazy is this simple impulse, it didn't come from um, Aaron, but it came from the people first. And we see through, as we continue to read through our passage, verse four, Aaron took all the gold from the people and made a gold calf for the people. And by nature, people are generous in what they give to their idols. We should be even more generous with what we give to the living God. Because as we continue through this passage, this image of the gold calf became the image that represented their exodus from Egypt. Don't miss that, college students. This gold calf, they made, they engraved, they fashioned, they chipped away at a gold calf and said, this is what led you out of Egypt. That's like us saying... Social media led us to salvation. Social media led us out of our problems. Our money is leading us out of our problems. Our relationships are leading us out of our problems. This idol showed that they had a misinterpretation of God. And my question is, do you misinterpret the image of God? Hebrews 1 and 15 says Jesus is the invisible image of God. Man, do you have the right mindset? Do you have the right perspective on God? I think it's Tozer. He says the most important thing about you is what you think about God. And man, them saying a gold calf is what led them out of Egypt, led them out of slavery. The gold calf wasn't there the night of the Passover. The gold calf wasn't there with them in the Red Sea. It was the angel of the Lord. And college students, it is the angel of the Lord that is with you, that will lead you to salvation, that will lead you to redemption, that will lead you to restoration, that will lead you to eternity with Jesus Christ. But my question is, what do you think about Jesus? What is your view of Jesus Christ. This gold calf is a misrepresentation of God. Think about this. The Israelites knew the Lord led them out of Egypt, and they knew the Lord God had revealed himself at Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, yet they were willing to trust a God they could make to finish what the Lord began. And how many times do we try to take what God has started and finish it our way? If you rely on anything other than the Lord in a situation, you have an idol in your life. If there's anything that takes more precedent in your life, more than Jesus Christ, you have an idol in your life. Aaron's choice to create a gold calf is a significant choice, too, because the Egyptians and the Canaanites, the native inhabitants of the land promised to Israel, were known for their deities shaped as calves. Thus, this is what Israel said. They had scorned the great I am who had rescued them, and they worshiped Instead, a false god of the nations. And we read in Exodus 31, this won't be on, a screen, on the screen, but you learn that God, this wasn't the spirit-inspired spirit craftsmanship of the men mentioned in Exodus 31. You can go read about that in Exodus 31, verses 1 through 6. God appointed people for Moses to build things, to craft things for them on their journey. But this was the sin-inspired work of Aaron. He thought it out. He melted the gold. He molded it. He fashioned it. In Psalm 106, 19 through 23, it says this right here. At Herob, they made a calf and worshiped the cast metal image. They exchanged their glory for the image of a grass-eating ox. They forgot God, their Savior, who did great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, all inspiring acts at the Red Sea, 
So he said he would have destroyed them if Moses, his chosen one, had not stood before him in the breach to turn his wrath away from destroying them. As Moses was in the presence of God, Aaron was left to lead the people. True leadership would have called the people out on their idolatry. But Aaron wasn't a true leader. He was an example of the one who leads by following popular opinion. And college students, the question I ask tonight is, do you follow the world's popular opinion or the creator of the world and his truth? Because you can't follow people's opinions, but you have to be led by God's truth. If you want freedom from idols, you can't, you can't go to, and I know you have people in your life that are probably speaking encouraging things into your life. They're probably giving you their encouraging opinion. But college students, if their opinion doesn't line up with God's word, it doesn't matter. If their opinion doesn't line up with God's word, it won't get you anywhere. It, won't, it will get you in nothing but trouble because opinions that don't line up with God's word aren't truth. People always have an opinion, but if it's not with God, what matters is God's truth, not people's opinion. People's opinions about you don't matter. People's opinion about what you do don't matter. What God says about you calling you a child of God, that's what matters. But the question is, do you follow that and are you led by that? Are you led by people's opinion or are you led by God's truth in your life? And Aaron, seeing this, he built an altar in front of the calf and he announced that there would be a festival for the Lord tomorrow. Don't miss this. They called the idol the Lord as they made sacrifices that the real Lord had told them to do for him. What the Israelites were doing was practicing false religion. And if you mix idolatry with Christianity, you no longer have Christianity. Rejection of the true God was this party's foundation, and it, it's likely incorpor it incorporated um, corrupt cultic practices from other nations, including things like drunkenness and immorality. And as we continue to read verses 1 through 10, as we look at this, we see they rose early the next morning and offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. People usually find a way to rise early for the things that are important to them. This shows that Israel was willing to give their time, sleep, and money in service to this idol. Like I said, man, people find time for the things that they idolize in their life, but those things that they idolize do nothing in return for you. So college students, do you make time to spend personal time with Jesus? Do you make time to sit at the feet of Jesus? Do you make time to read God's word? Do you make time to pray? Because I'm telling you, if you want fulfillment, if you want satisfaction, if you want joy in your life, if you want these good, these desirable things from the Lord, you have to sit at the feet of Jesus. Drop the idols in your life and pick up the Bible. Stop talking and looking for people's opinions and look for God's truth. That's what God's truth will change your life, not people's opinions. God's truth will get you to eternity, not people's opinions. And I love this. Moses stood in the gap. Think about that. Moses, went, man, God was getting ready to destroy the Israelites. But Moses said, this is your, these are your people. Jesus stands in the gap for you, but the only thing you have to, the only thing that Jesus, when he's, when it's you and the Lord on judgment day, the Lord is looking for the blood of Jesus. Are you, have you been saved by the blood of Jesus? Are you covered in the blood of Christ? Jesus stands in the gap for you. All you have to do is repent of your sins, confess that Jesus is Lord and receive him into your life as your Lord and Savior. Drop the idols and pick up Jesus. That will change your life. Pick up Jesus. Pick up the Bible. It will change your life. 
And when they bowed to this golden calf, they sacrificed to it and they labeled it as their God. This was a rejection of the first two commandments and the commitment they made to the Lord. This is, these are some of the commandments right here. They'll be on the screen. Um, this is Exodus 20, verses 3 and 4. And God's commandments are, do not have other gods besides me. It's pretty straightforward, right? It's crazy. We can't follow straightforward instructions. Do not, and here's the following one. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. These are God's commandments, and they were told, they were given these commandments. They were instructed how to follow Jesus. Yet when their attention was taken off of Jesus, they, they thought they needed something else. And the, the idols in your life cannot do what God can do for your life. And we see God told Moses to leave him alone so that his anger could burn against them and they'd be destroyed. Look with me at verse 11 as we continue through Exodus 32 tonight. Exodus um, 32 verse 11 says this, But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, why does your anger burn against your people? If you have a pen, underline that right here. Burn against your people. You brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a strong hand. Why should the Egyptians say he brought them out with an evil intent to kill them in the mountains and eliminate them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger and relent concerning this disaster planned for your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. You swore to them by yourself and declared, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give your offspring all this land that I will have promised, and they will inherit it forever. So the Lord relented concerning the disaster he said he would bring on his people. Then Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, inscribed front and back. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was God's writing engraved on the, on the tablets. When Joshua heard the sound of a victory cry and not the sound of a cry of defeat, I hear the sound of singing. As he approached the camp and saw the calf in the dancing, Moses became enraged, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, smashing them at the base of the mountain. He took the calf they had made, burned it up, and ground it to powder. He scattered the powder over the surface of the water and forced the Israelites to drink the water. Imagine that, grinding up the idol and drinking your idol. They're significant. That's a big deal. Verse 21, then Moses asked Aaron, what did these people do to you that you have led them into such a grave sin? Take, take note of Aaron's response right here. Verse 22, don't be enraged, my Lord. Aaron replied, you yourself know that the people are intent of evil. They said to me, make gods for us who will go before us because it's Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt. We don't know what has happened to him. So I said to them, whoever has gold, take it off. And they gave it to me. When I threw it into the fire, out came this calf. Number one, we saw Israel's impatience. But number two, we see Moses's initiative. Moses's initiative. And I want you to think about this. Moses, like I just said, he stood in the gap for the Israelites. God was getting ready to destroy these people because God is the only one worthy of worship. With us being created, we're designed to worship through creator. So we don't have the power to create anything anyway. So they had a misinterpretation of God himself and the worship that he deserved. We're the creation that 
worships the creator. We're, we're not supposed to be creation that worships other creation. That's not how it's supposed to be. That doesn't bring us fulfillment. That doesn't bring us the joy that we get to have as we worship and say, Jesus, you alone, nothing else. Jesus, you alone, you love me. You saved me. You died for me. And when when God offered to make Moses into a great nation, Moses decided to seek the favor of the Lord. As, as we read verses 11 through 14, look at what, how Moses appealed for the people in his prayer. First, Moses, when I told you to underline, when it says, when Moses responds to God, and I said, underline your people, look at this. Moses gave the people back to the Lord. Moses knew he couldn't lead these people without the Lord's help. We see Moses ask, why does your anger burn against your people? You brought out of the land of Egypt. Moses knew that these were God's people and that God was the one that led them out of Egypt. But then Moses appealed to God based on grace. Moses knew they didn't deserve to be brought out, but it was done by grace. Because, man, God, he heard his people's cries. And he responded to their cries. But then Moses appealed to God based on glory. Verse 12 shows us that Moses didn't want the Egyptians to see the Israelites experience freedom from slavery to then be destroyed by the Lord. Man, God asked, Lord, let your glory shine in this situation. And then finally, Moses appealed on the basis of God's goodness. Man, is God, man, God's been good in my life, and I know he's been good in your life. You just have to focus. Man, I encourage you to write down the moments that you've seen God move in your life. And if you haven't seen God move in your life, I encourage you to come talk to me. Come talk to my team, myself, uh, Goose, and Skyler, and I'll have leaders available. We would love to talk to you about what it looks like to not only have a relationship with Jesus, but, man, for God to move in your life. Moses speaks about the men that were before him, which was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he appealed not to any merit on their part, but to God's reputation and his character. The Lord relented concerning the disaster, and he said he would, that he would bring on his people. And Psalm 106.45 says this, He remembered his covenant with them and relented according to the abundance of his faithful love. I love that. According to the abundance of his faithful love. God declares that he may choose to relent and not bring threatened judgment upon a people should they change their ways. In other words, he might relent if the people repent or is here in response to intercessory prayer. God relenting from destroying Israel didn't imply that he changes attitude towards their sin. No, God judges sin. Even though he didn't destroy them, he did hold them accountable for their sin. God thus upheld his reputation, remained faithful to his word, and displayed his grace. And we see when Moses came back down from the mountain, he had two stone tablets with him. And God's word explains that these are, God, these are the work of God, and the writing was God's writing engraved on the tablet. But as Moses approached the camp, as, as he approached the camp, he saw the calf, and he saw Israel. He saw the nation of Israel dancing around a golden calf, and this enraged Moses. And we see Moses took the calf they had made, he burned it up, and he ground it to powder. I love that because this, is our, this should be our response to the idols in our life. You should, if, if it's physical, you should quite literally burn it up. I don't, I don't know what the idol in your life is, but you should get rid of it. Whatever is taking you away from being all in with your relationship with Jesus, I challenge you to get rid of it. 
and tell me. And when you do get rid of it, I can guarantee you this, your relationship with the Lord, your intimacy with the Lord will be so much different because he deserves your focus. He deserves your focus. He deserves your full attention. Nothing else in your life deserves that except Jesus Christ. And ask yourself this question about the things in your life. Does it draw your attention towards God or does it take your attention away from God? If something in your life is taking attention away from your relationship with Jesus, it's an idol. I said that earlier. And I said this in my notes right here. Idolatry will hinder your intimacy in your relationship with Jesus. Idolatry will hinder your intimacy in your relationship with Jesus. Psalm 115, 4 through 8 God's word says their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throats. Those who make them are just like them as are all who trust in them. Verse 8 of this psalm is very clear in telling us that we become like which we worship. If you look to what is lifeless and empty as your source, your life will reflect it. If you look to what is lifeless and empty as your source, your life will reflect it. Think about this song, college students. I want you to focus on this song. It literally says they have mouths but cannot speak. Their idols are silver and gold. They have eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot listen. Mouths but cannot speak. College students, the idols in your life, they do not listen to your prayers. Do they not respond to your prayers? And they do not speak to you. But God, the living, the true, the loving God in your life, if you accept him into your life, God hears your cries, he responds to your cries, and God, the God of creation, can speak to you. But the question is, man, I'm going to ask it over and over again, do you put yourself in a place where God has your full attention? Because when you read God's word, I love Brother Steve, he says this on Sunday mornings, if you want to hear God speak, read God's word out loud. Are you hearing from the Lord in prayer? Do you sit in silence and solitude? Uh, one of our pastors yesterday, Corey O'Hare, preached at the 11 o'clock service. Do you retreat? Do you get away from the distractions? And do you put yourself in a place that you can hear from the Lord? Silver and gold, your career, your relationships, X, Y, Z, whatever it is, they can't do what God can do in your life. I've never met a person in my life that has regretted coming to know Jesus. I'm not saying when you come to know Jesus, life isn't hard. No, life is still just as hard. But man, I have someone, not something, I have someone to fall back on. I have someone that will carry me through the trials of life. I have someone that will provide for me every single thing that I need. Notice that I said that I need, not that I want. How do you, what does your prayer life look like? Because I'm telling you, man, we saw it all through Exodus. At the very beginning of Exodus, God literally says, I hear my people's cries, and I'm going to free them from the hand of the Egyptians. My question tonight, college students, are you crying out to the Lord? And if you have questions about the Psalms, the Psalms is a wonderful book to read. The whole Bible is wonderful to read. But if you want to read about crying out to the Lord, David, he writes so many of the Psalms and he cries out to the Lord. Oh, God, how long do I wait for you? Or even as Goose read earlier, man, our souls should pant for the Lord like a deer pants for water. And if you have sin in your life, this is my go to psalm. 
I talk about it all the time with the college students. If you have sin that you just feel like you can't have forgiveness from, you feel like you just can't get out of it, read Psalm 51. Write that down, Psalm 51. Psalm 51, 12 says, Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Or even Psalm 106, you can write Psalm 106 down because Psalm 106 says, as far as the east is from the west, there are your sins have been removed. Think about that. As far as the east is from the, uh, the west, your sins have been removed. When you repent of your sins, Jesus restores you. You have to be faithful to repenting. I'm telling you, God will be faithful to restoring. What are the most important things in your life? Because if they were to be taken away from you, would you have a worshiping heart or would you have a wandering heart? If the most important thing in your life was taken from you, would you have a worshiping heart or would you have a wandering heart? And I think about a time in my life, played high school basketball, played high school football. And a big part of mine and Daniel's relationship is he actually coached me in basketball. He coached me in my eighth grade year at Elmore Park Middle School. And then as I moved into my junior year of high school, that's when he got saved. And he started coaching me in high school basketball. And he started to share Jesus with me. And I ended up getting saved after I graduated high school. And then, man, so the Lord eventually called us to work together. And now we get to do ministry together and preach together. It's incredible. Daniel's my best friend. I love that dude. He's taught me just countless things. But, man, I remember a time in my life basketball was literally my identity. I mean, my identity was built on how well I played the night before, if I was starting, if I was coming off the bench. And man, when your identity is built on something that changes, your identity is going to change. But if your identity is built on Jesus Christ, the unchanging God, your identity will be firm. It will be safe in Jesus Christ. And I think early on in my walk with the Lord, after I got saved, I started teaching a basketball Bible study. Some of the guys in here have probably come to it. Um, it was back in 2018 and 2019. And me and my buddy Trey, Trey Bertram, um, that is uh, working full time and is still a part of our ministry, we got to teach the Bible study together. And we would prep for the lesson. We'd put time in for the lesson. Man, I would focus in on the lesson. I would teach God's word. But man, what was crazy was, because I was still new to the faith, so I'm still very competitive, worried about how I played is I would be more concerned about how I played basketball that day, that Tuesday or that Thursday, than I was about people coming to know Jesus or people coming to ask me questions about the lesson that we taught that day. And I remember we used to play this game. It's called uh, King of the Court. A lot of people know what it is. It's literally somebody, you roll the ball out to somebody, and if the person scores, he stays on the court, and the next person rolls the ball out. And the objective is you stay on the court as long, like the name of the game, King of, King of the Court. And I remember we were playing this. It was May 2018. I'll never forget. It was the first week of May. We were playing basketball. I rolled my left ankle. Excuse me. I rolled my right ankle first. Uh, I, I've never rolled my left ankle. Praise the Lord. I rolled my right ankle. And I was like, you know what? Cool. I'm going to sit out for two weeks and I'll be back. I come back two weeks later. Still May 2018. It's the third week of May. And now I'm going to correct the statement I just made because I rolled my left ankle for the first time in May of 2018. That's when God got my attention. I kid, I kid you not, I, le I learned from two sprained ankles that God deserved and wanted my full undivided attention because I was sitting in my room when I had roommates that were checking on me, taking care of me. Because, you know, if you have a sprained ankle, it's miserable to walk. I mean, you don't realize how important an ankle is until you sprain it. I'll tell you that much. 
I'm sitting in my bed at, at, our, at our house that we used to live in back in 2018, 2019. I have two sprained ankles, and it finally dawned on me that it doesn't matter if I'm the king of the court with basketball if Jesus isn't the king of kings of my heart. Basketball can't sit on the throne of my heart. My, job, my career can't sit on the throne of my heart. The only person that deserves the throne of your heart is Jesus Christ. With college students, the question I've asked all night, what is keeping you from it? What is keeping you from allowing Jesus to call the shots in your life? What is keeping you from getting rid of the idols in your life and focusing fully on Jesus Christ? Because when Jesus is the king of kings of your life, things start to change. And now I'm okay without playing basketball. Honestly, I don't really want to play it anymore because a lot of injuries have been happening. Man, you can get injured at any moment, and, that, and then that takes it away from me. But guess what? When I was injured with two sprained ankles, guess who was present? Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. It doesn't matter what's taken away from you. But, man, your relationship with Jesus. Here's the thing. Basketball is temporary. Our career is temporary. Everybody desires to retire. But your relationship with Jesus Christ is eternal. It's forever. It's everlasting. But the question is, are you impacting it? Are you doing things to grow your relationship with Jesus, to fall more in love with him? It is eternal. It is forever. It will change you. It will change your circumstances. Jesus Christ can quite literally change your circumstances. And we see, we see Moses come down from the mountain. He's angry. He has a right to be angry because he's seeing his people, seeing the people he's let out of slavery literally worship a misrepresentation of Christ. And so going back to the significance of that, they, he literally burned up the idol and God's word says he made them drink it. Think about the why behind this. Moses wanted to show the Israelites that this so-called God was nothing and could be destroyed easily. Just like we talked about college students, your career can be taken away easily. Your finances can change. Your social media can change. I know some people, they freak out when they lose one follower on Instagram. Moses wanted them to destroy the idol. And this made them pay an immediate consequence for their sin. And this made the gold calf of the idol absolutely unusable, being corrupted by bodily waste. And then we see the attention shift to Aaron, and Moses asked him what happened to lead them to worshiping a gold calf. And Aaron's response is something to take note of. He asked Moses not to be enraged because he knew the people had an intent of evil. Rather than fessing up about this wrong, Aaron shifted the blame to the people as if they forced him to do it. But not only that, look at, man, Aaron made a crazy claim on how the golden calf came about. He told Moses that when he threw the gold into the fire, a golden calf came out, falsely implying that the idol was supernaturally formed. Like I said earlier, Aaron is a guy that led by people's opinions and not God's truth. But not only that, man, you see Aaron point the blame to the people around him. College students, when you fall into sin, how do you respond? Do you point and blame the people around you? Or do you confess, repent of your sins, and experience freedom from it? Because pointing the blame to other people for your sin will not bring you restoration, will not bring you forgiveness, but repenting of your sins, knowing that all have fallen short of the glory of God, asking for God to forgive you, that's what brings forgiveness to your, of your sins. 
And look with me as we finish the passage. We'll pick back up in verse 35 and we'll read to the end of the chapter. It says, Moses saw that the people were out of control. For Aaron had let them get out of control, making them a laughingstock to their enemies. And Moses stood at the camp's entrance and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites gathered around him. He told them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Every man fasten his sword to his side. Go back and forth through the camp from entrance to entrance. And each of you kill his brother, his friend, and his neighbor. Excuse me. The, the Levites did as Moses commanded. And about 3,000 men fell dead that day among the people. Afterwards, Moses said, Today you have been dedicated to the Lord, since each man went against his son and his brother. Therefore, you have brought a blessing on yourself today. The following day, Moses said to the people, You have committed a grave sin. Now I'll go to the Lord. Perhaps I will be able to atone for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a grave sin. They have made a God of gold for themselves. Now if you would only forgive their sin... But if not, please erase me from the book you have written. Verse 33, the Lord replied to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will erase from my book. Now go, lead the people to the place I told you about. See, my angel will go before you. But on the day I settle accounts, I will hold them accountable for their sin. And then the Lord inflicted a plague on the people for what they did with the calf Aaron had made. Lastly, college students, number three, we see God's intentions in Exodus 32. God's intentions. And Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. When man follows his own instincts, his own inclinations, it leads to ruin. We need to follow God's way and not our own. Moses asked that whoever was for the Lord to come to him and all the Levites gathered around him. And What's crazy about here, when the Levites gathered around Moses, he sent them to act out God's judgment on those who persisted in their idolatry and immorality. As the Levites did this, about 3,000 men fell dead on this day. College students, sin isn't a joke. It brings death. If you want to know the result of sin, it brings death. But let me tell you the encouraging thing about something. Jesus, he brings life. He gives you eternal life. Sin does bring death. But Jesus, he rules over sin, and he can give you eternal life. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. James 1.15 says, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Moses returned to the Lord and asked the Lord to forgive them of their sin. And Moses did not minimize their sin. Moses was told to go lead the people to the place he was told about, the promised land. And Moses had the angel of the Lord go before him, but Moses was told the people would be held accountable for their sin. And we see the Lord inflicted a plague on the people for what they did. And college students, as I've said throughout all tonight, I'll say one more time as we close, the choices we make not only have an impact here on earth, but they have an eternal impact. The decisions you make have an eternal impact. 